Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Scalzo of Chronicles of the End Time. So glad to have you with us today for this very interesting subject, Noah and the Nephilim. Boy, what in the world is that? Well, hopefully this study today will give us all a better understanding and appreciation for the miracle that God has done in our lives and the lives of those who are born again. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 6, and it talks about the times of Noah. Now with the new movie Noah coming out, so a lot of interest in this subject. And so there's one piece that we definitely want to look into today that I think is not only very fascinating, but it is also filled with incredible spiritual truth that goes right on through to the end times in which we live today. One of the most fascinating topics to be found in our study of the Bible is that of the record regarding the early earth, uh, the first great era in the history of the world, uh, sometimes referred to as the Antidevillian Age, which just means the age before the flood. It's an age that's kind of shrouded in mystery and wonder, an age pertaining not only to a lost world, but an age separate from us in time and by a great dividing period, a great catastrophe uh, worldwide that changed everything. It's an account of the world of human glory and depravity and even demonic intervention. And that's what we're going to look at today. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6, and let's start reading with verse 1. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants who were Nephilim, or Nephil, as the Hebrew states, which means bullies, or tyrants, or giants. And they were in those days and also afterward, When the sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were mighty men of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What an incredible piece of scripture. As God describes the time before the flood, and we look at this and we say, Giants in the land. What kind of giants? What are we talking about? The scripture here clearly states that when the human race began to multiply on the earth, that daughters were born to men, and the sons of God saw that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves. Or a better description was they just took any woman they wanted, whether actually they were married or not, anyone they chose, and they had offspring with them. Remember, this is, by the Bible's description, an incredibly corrupt people, a corrupt generation. 
in every aspect. Lots of times as Christians, especially modern Christians, we like to kind of sterilize the Bible a little bit when we read stuff. And we sometimes like to come up with palatable, intellectual explaining these things that is hard to explain or hard for the normal person to say, wait a minute, you know, that's crazy. But yet in actuality, how many movies have you seen from Hollywood that are far from Scripture that just came out of somebody's mind, some science fiction thing that about angels coming to earth and this and that? And, you know, so I think sometimes we need to just speak the truth as it is and try not to explain things away, trying to be intellectual, try to make it easier for people to handle. Um, people accept the supernatural today. And I think it's time that we don't hold back because we have the real supernatural. We have the truth of what's really going on in that world. So the naturalistic interpretation, if you want to call it that, of everything that transpired in this piece of scripture is that there were two groups of people, the Canaanites and the Sethites. Now, the Sethites were those descendants of Seth who were who was born to Adam and Eve after Abel was killed. And the Cainites are obviously the descendants of Cain, who was the one who slew Abel and is perceived as, you know, the evil one. And therefore, when these two descendants got together, it was the sons of God and the sons of men and interpreted that way. And then they had these offspring. But that doesn't explain two things. One is that Scripture clearly says the daughters of men. It doesn't uh, differentiate. And it definitely says the sons of God. Now, let's look more into this. In the Hebrew, the words are ben Elohim. And that phrase occurs only in three other times. And all of them are in the ancient book of Job. Job 1, 6, 2, 1, and 38, 7. And each time they refer to angels. Well, let's look at Job 1, 6. In Job, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So here we're talking about the sons of God being angels. Then again in Job 2, 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself to the Lord. And in Job 38, 7, it says, When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. And this is talking about when God created the earth, and he created all these wonderful things that the angels shouted for joy. And so here we are with these three definitions of what the sons of God are. And they're definitely angels. Even in the New Testament, we see that the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Luke ends with the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So Adam's the only one that's considered a son of God at this point in time, other than, of course, Jesus Christ. So, Every time we see this phrase, it refers to created beings. And the interesting part of this, even in the New Testament, 
we can't be considered a son of God or a daughter of God unless God creates us. You can say, wait a minute, well, God created everybody. Well, this is true. But there is a new creation, the scriptures tell us, that when we come to him, we'll become born again. God creates a new creation. And then we are called the sons of God. So in this case, it holds up. It holds water that those that God created himself were the sons of God. And just another definition or underlying of the fact that surely these sons of God that God refers to in Genesis chapter 6 are truly angels. Another example is when we see the Lord met with Abraham and he brought the two angels with him. And Abraham recognized right away, even from a distance, that this was the Lord and two angels. And they sat down and they ate and they spoke and they drank. And then later on, these two angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah to see what was going on and eventually destroy the city. And when they were in Lot's house, the men of Sodom banged on the door so they might have relations with these angels. And so there was no doubt that angels come in the form of men many times. Now, these angels were holy angels. But the angels that we talked about here, the sons of God that came into the daughters of men to create these giants, were part of the fallen angels. And where are those fallen angels today? Well, Jude tells us they are reserved in outer darkness unto the day of judgment. Because why? Because he says in verse 6 that these angels did not keep their proper domain, but they left their own abode as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual morality, going after strange flesh. So Jude compares the two, and he puts them in the same boat. So you can see there's more proof that these angels who performed this ungodly th- uh, act have been reserved in chains and everlasting darkness until the day of judgment. Now, we know that down through the years, the enemy has tried over and over again to destroy Israel because it was carrying the seed of the Messiah. Remember when Moses wanted to take Israel into the promised land, and he sent the spies out, and the spies came back and said, whoa, you know, there, there's giants in the land. We, we look like ants compared to these guys. So this isn't somebody describing somebody who's, you know, six foot three or six foot four, and I'm only five nine or five ten. No, no, no. These, they're saying there were giants in the land. And only Joshua and Caleb had the faith that they said, it doesn't matter how big they are, God could take us through. But the point is here is that the Nephilim were then again in the land. And so once again, the enemy was saying, you know what, we're just going to, do away with these people. We're going to be in the way again. But what happened? Because of Joshua and Caleb, because their faith, once again, first it was Noah, now it's Joshua and Caleb. Once again, men of faith stand up and say, no, there's no way. We're going in. And by the same example, and it's so important for us to understand this, that in the last of the Nephilim, the last of these offspring of angels and women, that David saw them 
And when Goliath was there and he was shouting out to the armies and he was saying, come on, send your best out here. It went on day after day, week after week, on and on and on it went that they were just making fun. The Philistines were just making fun of God and making fun of Israel and Goliath would come out and he would dare anyone to come out to him. When David saw this, David was a spiritual man. So when David saw this, he saw more than just this nine-foot guy standing out there with these giant swords and spears. He saw the enemy saying, you're not going to win. He saw once again in his heart and his mind, I'm sure, he was a, he was a spirit-filled guy. He wasn't your average guy. He was small, but yet he was great in faith. And he saw Goliath, and he saw how big he was, and he knew that he was the descendants of the Nephilim. These were the last remnant of these people. And David went out there and slew him. And this should be encouragement to us, because we see in history, it was Noah who stood in the way of the enemy by faith. Joshua and Caleb stood in front of the enemy by faith, and they said, no way, we're going in. David did the same thing, and he defeated, they all defeated the giants. So that plan was wiped out. And just in closing, you could see that when Jesus was born, that Herod came, and the enemy dropped the seed in Herod's mind, kill all the babies two years and under. He never stopped trying to thwart the plan of God. But once Jesus Christ came to that cross and paid the price, and once he rose from the dead, it was over. The Messiah had completed his mission and brought righteousness. For all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and God has given them the power to become sons of God. And as we live in this generation where we see moral decay and we see more and more evil in this world and more and more demonic forces flourishing know that you and i have a work to do that god has given us to stand for him to have faith and reach out to the lost and continue to see people come to him until he comes for us once again the enemy will try through the antichrist to destroy this world and to destroy the Israeli people and God's people. But Jesus Christ will put an end to it all. Thank God for the word of God and for the victory that lies ahead. Until next time, this is Russ Galzo saying, God bless, carry on in his name.